Today I'm joined by Jennifer Drummond, the first female world record holder to climb the second highest summits of each of the seven continents. After a life-changing car accident led her to reevaluate her priorities, Jen embarked on a transformative journey and understood that she can write her own narrative whilst pushing the boundaries of what is possible. Translating the wisdom gained on the peaks into her everyday life, she has harnessed the lessons learned in the mountains to navigate challenges, find purpose and inspire others. Her relentless pursuit of the world record showcases her unwavering spirit and belief in herself. So explore how Jen rose above her circumstances and conquered the mountains. I want to go back into the into the past a little bit and to kind of give the listeners just a little bit more of an understanding of, you know, who you are and kind of what has led you to who you are today. Okay, perfect. So I'd say probably a great place to start is I was doing life. Like I was happy. I don't know if I would say I was like this overjoyous, fulfilled, you know, whatever human, but I was happy. I had kids. I was doing that thing. Um, And then I got into a car accident in 2018 and I should have died and didn't. And that was one of those moments where you're like, why didn't I die? And had I died, what would my obituary say? And looking at that, I had realized, kind of put my life on hold to do the children. And I was, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that I wanted to see and experience and do, but I kind of sold myself on the concept of get the kids launched, get them off to college. And then once they're off to college, you will have time to do yourself. And I'm like, all of a sudden when you almost die, You sit there and think, wow, is this really the best method to do life? Like, is there another way? Can I do things that excite me and still be a great mom, right? Like, I think a lot of times when we talk about resilience and can't get back up, it's because we're too heavily weighted into a program or into a a way of doing things that is not keeping ourselves fulfilled and excited and leaning into our purpose. So then we get burnt out and we want to stop, right? But the minute that you start filling your own bucket and then start doing other things, as long as you're filling that bucket, you have reserves to go forward with whatever you're doing, right? It never gets empty. So I kind of had this big awakening. And so then the year of 2019, I spent the entire year figuring out who I was again, Like, what do I like to eat for dinner? Because all I would eat before is what was left over from the kids' plates. Like, what's my favorite color? Where are places I want to go? Where do I feel the most excited? What gets me motivated? Like, all those questions that you ask. And 2020 was coming, and I was turning 40. So that was kind of one of those years where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something really big for my birthday to blast off this next next decade. What is that going to be? What should that look like? And I live in the mountains and I love like playing in them and experience them or whatever else. So I was like, I'm going to climb an amazing mountain. So I asked a whole bunch of mountaineering friends. I'm like, hey, if you were to climb one mountain in the whole world, what mountain would it be? And I got more votes for a mountain called Ama de Blom than any other mountain. And Ama de Blom is located in Nepal and the Himalayas. And it's a mix of ice and rock and snow and all the things. Um, And so I'm like, okay, that's the one I'm going to climb. And Amma de Blom means mother's necklace. I'm a mom. It's going to be my 40th. Like this is all lining up. So I'm training for it. And my, I become a homeschool teacher 
because COVID happens and all the world shut down. So I'm like, okay, well, this is happening. So I'm helping my kids do their homeschool work. I'm still kind of training. One of my sons is struggling with his math homework. And I'm like, listen, buddy, we do hard things. You've got this. And he looks at me and he goes, if we do hard things, then why are you climbing some mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain called like Everest? I said, old, hold here, honey. I'm a dumb not I'm a dumb blonde, but cute. And you know what? You do your math homework and we'll look at Everest. So he did his math homework. We kind of looked at Everest. I thought about it a little bit more. And I'm like, you know, maybe I should climb Everest because if this is his perception of the biggest, hardest mountain in the world and I summit it, then he knows as my son, he's capable of doing it too. And that's a real mountain to him. So I hire a coach, I start training um, to climb, and this coach recommends that I read a book. And the book he recommends is Uphill Athlete. So I grab the book, I'm reading it, and in the foreword of this book is a lady who got a Guinness World Record. And for like skiing across the Alps or doing you know something magic over there, we were on a phone call and I was kind of half joking. I'm like, Alan, I could have gotten that Guinness World Record. Like, I can suffer. And my kids would think I'm the coolest human ever if I had a Guinness World Record because that's how they learned how to read. But I'm not going to grow some crazy pumpkin or eat a thousand hot dogs in a minute or whatever these things are. Like, I want something cool. And he laughed and we kind of like let it go because it was just like this jokingly conversation. And then a couple months later, he calls me back and he goes, Hey, Jen. I found your Guinness World, World Record. I'm like, I didn't even know you were looking for one. Okay, what is it? He said, I think you should become the first female to climb the seven second summits. The seven second summits are the second highest point in each continent, and they have not been done by a female before. He goes, you have seven kids, seven continents, like seven mountains. Like, I think this is like, you know, your jackpot deal. I said, okay, let's try it. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. But I really would say the car accident was the line in the sand of the wake-up call. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? What happens if I died? Is this the story I want told? And it's interesting that it was the accident and it was the car. And it's interesting as well that you were talking about how you were waiting for happiness. You were waiting for, you know, yeah. you were waiting for certain things in your life to happen, for then the other things to happen. And I think the key message from that is what you were saying is, don't wait, you know, stop waiting because, you know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so there's no point waiting for one year, two year, five years, you know, for things to happen because you can make yourself happy and you can do the things you want to do today. But I just want to quickly touch upon before we do go all into the mountains, yeah. I do just want to touch a little bit on the accident. And is it okay if I just ask a little bit more about the details and kind of why you were so close to death? I was driving to a town to go to a DMV office, which is an office where you get your like license reprinted. I had somehow lost my driver's license mm -hmm. when I was skiing the weekend before out of town. I like left it at the hotel or so, I don't know. I pulled it out, didn't have it. I needed to go get a new one. So I was driving to this town to get a new driver's license and I was driving back, it was December 18, 2018. And I was looking at like, I could just like, you remember like things, distinctly right it's like I remember looking at the reservoir 
thinking, oh, wow, it's starting to freeze over. It's going to be a good winter. And I'm driving at a decent speed, probably a little bit faster than I should have. What happened was there was a light, and then we were going up this hill. And I got a green light, so I never slowed down at the light. So I had momentum going up the hill already. And there was a semi-truck that was pulling a trailer. So it was like two semi-truck um, containers being pulled up the hill. It had stopped. So it's not up to speed yet of what the speed limit is because it's going uphill and it's going slow because it's carrying such a heavy load. And so I all of a sudden like focus back on the road. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hit this like semi. So I go to veer into the left lane, which is the fast lane. As I'm veering into that lane, there was something on the side of the road where the semi was driving. So it kind of like bumped over a little bit just to like avoid whatever that was. And that back trailer swung out and hit my passenger side, like front tire piece. And so then I ended up going endo. So I flipped over three times entirely and then was rolling kind of sideways and then slid to a stop in the median, which Hollywood has taught us, like, it's not over, right? Like, all of a sudden you think it's over and another car is going to come out and, like, hit you out of nowhere from the other side. So I'm sliding, I stop, and then I start hearing this voice of, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay? I'm not even registering that that voice is talking to me. I can like, it's starting to come in louder, but I'm realizing I'm the one that's kind of coming back into it versus him talking any louder or doing anything different. And so the, the, all the glass is off on the car, the windshield's entirely cracked in the front. This guy had pulled the windshield back because um, it kind of peels off like a sticker at that point. And I look at him, and I'm recognizing that's a human, and then I'm kind of like, what's going on? Am I okay? So I start asking, I'm like, Am I, I don't even know if I'm okay. In fact, I don't even want to know if I'm okay based on what I'm like looking at and hearing and seeing right now. So I closed my eyes, and I wiggled my fingers and toes, and I could feel them. I'm like, I'm okay. Like I can feel my fingers and toes. I was so afraid that like maybe from the waist down I was cut off or, you know, I didn't even, I don't even know what I was afraid of, but I was just, I didn't even want to know. And it's funny because now even when I'm in like the mountains or I'm in a situation that like my brain's starting to run a little wild or get a little crazy, like I'll close my eyes for a second and I'll just wiggle my fingers and toes. I'm like, Hey, I'm okay. Like whatever story I'm writing in my head, it's a story in my head physically, like fingers and toes, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. It's interesting as well that you have something that when you do close your eyes that you go to, um, because I think a lot of people do have different thoughts that come in 100%. And again, I think what's so interesting is that everyone I speak to, and a lot of the time, it is the certain things that happen in our lives, which then, you know, the, these accidents or whatever it is, these adversities that then lead us into into the next stage or into the next, you know, the next chapter of our lives. And so with all of that in mind, I want to then know what happened with regards to the mountaineering. So what happened? Where did you start with the mountains? Yeah, right. So I climbed Ama de Blom as the, in, in 2020 when it opened. I absolutely had an amazing time. It was all the things. And so I'm like, okay, I am going to do this second summit thing. So at the time that I started the pursuit, you know, COVID's heavy in most countries. So I did Ojos del Salado in Chile. Um, it's located in the Atacama Desert. It's the second highest point in South America. 
I did that one first because they opened first. Like they were the country that opened. So I did them in December of 2020. And then I was kind of originally planning on climbing Everest next, which would have been May of 2021. But this is what happens when you set out on a pursuit, like opportunities come up and then you kind of say, oh, okay, uh, this would have never came up if I wasn't doing this mountain climbing thing. So I was planning, a friend of mine was involved in a charity that was trying to help a charity in Kenya get an ambulance. So she's like, hey, Kenya is one of the mountains that you need to climb. Are you going anytime soon? We need somebody to go over there to help with the charity and handle the delivery of the ambulance and all the things going on. I'm like, oh, well, I'll go do Kenya to go make that happen for you, like a thousand percent, because Kenya is the true rock climb, right? Like Kenya is a 20 pitch rock climb with a little bit of ice climb at the top. So I wasn't a huge climber at the time. I was more of a mountaineer. So mountaineers mainly two feet, sometimes, you know, all four arms and legs, but rock climbing is all four all the time. So I'm like, okay, well, I better get ready to rock climb. So I started taking some classes and doing some training in Las Vegas with the Red Rocks and got ready to go do Kenya and had success there, which was amazing. And also just a testament to when you're doing what you love, doors open wide and far with all kinds of things that you can make impact on that if you were doing your regular life like I was doing before those opportunities would have never shown up right like it's been very interesting that this quest started as this pursuit to climb seven mountains and really turned into a beautiful story of like triumph of supporting others empowering others being a bridge for charities and these different pieces. So it's just been an awesome experience all the way around. I love that. I love what you were saying about when you're following your passion. And I think it's also when you're being your most authentic self to the point, however you can, you know, we all change and we all evolve every day, every week, every month, but you're right. The doors do start to open, you know, doors that X many years ago before you were doing the thing you love the most, you'd think they're never going to happen. And then as you get to this stage in your life and they start to open, it does just start to feel right because, you know, you're doing the things that you love. And that's a really, really interesting way of looking at it. I love it. And I'll tell you, like when I started doing me, I ended up being better in everything that I did. I was a better mom. I had more patience. I was like just all the things. Right. And so it's so in our culture, we get so ingrained that that's being selfish. And I keep telling my kids, no, it's self-full. Okay, so self-full, and then you can go give to other people because if you're not full, you can't, and everything starts to crumble. I like the word self-full. I like that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. It is. It's when you, however, everybody says it very differently. Some people say about loving themselves. Some people say yeah. about, you know, feeling, you know, most authentic and, and feeling whole in a, in a way. But it is. It's once you can feel that to the capacity you can, giving to other people and, and doing things for other people comes comes at a, such a different sort of level, comes at such a different kind of way than it ever did before. With regards to then, obviously, the accident and then where you are now with the, the mountaineering and the climbing, do you find that mentally, obviously, you know, after an accident like that, mentally it can take a huge toll. Do you feel that you were able to channel what you were going through maybe mentally into where you are now? Yeah, here, I think where the accident really helped me was I don't get to control when I die, 
but I sure get to control how I live. And death can happen at any time, at any point, doing anything. Like I could have died in that car accident. So it almost gave me permission to do whatever I wanted to do because death's going to happen. Like that's a given, right? No one gets out of here alive. But I don't necessarily get to control when it's happening. So I might as well be living my life to the fullest. And then when it happens, there's nothing left on the table that I like, have regrets about not doing. No, and I think that's the thing as well. It's, it's, it's the understanding that you can control your, li- your life. You can control a lot of aspects of your life. But then there's also a lot of things that aren't in your control. And it's finding out the things that you can control and taking ownership of those. And also maybe you know surrendering to the things that you can't control. A hundred percent, right? Just the, being in a state of acceptance and allowing, right? So things would go wrong on the mountain and some people would spend so much energy like being mad about it or resisting it or being angry with it. And you're sitting there thinking, those are things you can't control. Like you, the only thing you control is you and whatever you can control by all means control it. But when there's environments that you can't control, like learning how to accept them and allow them to just be what they are and navigate as best as you are, that's where true success lies. And the thing is, is obviously when I first, you know, read your story and learned about it, I was saying to you just before, I, I, I love the outdoors. I absolutely love mountains. I, I rock climb. Um, I'm a climbing instructor. There, there's so many different things about your story that, that drew me in. And it's so interesting because, you know, obviously as a woman myself and, and being able to see what you've done, it's, 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 it's just incredible. And there are so many mountains I want to climb and so many things that I want to do. And I think what I want to ask you then as well about is, is, is fear. You know, we're all, we all have fear every day on different things in our lives, you know, whatever it is from small fears to big fears. And it's showing up to our fears and taking, you know, walking straight into our fears and doing something like that, you know, climbing mountains, it's somewhat terrifying. (laughs) No, yeah, yeah. I've been terrified when I've been on the rope X many hundred feet up. I'm still terrified. It's surreal. Don't get me wrong, but it's terrifying. And how do you, you know, because you can relate this into everyday life. How do you, again, channel that fear or how do you kind of walk straight into those fears when you are on a mountain? Well, I, I don't allow my, my mind to go deep into them, right? Like, and sometimes for me, fear kind of has the same vibration as excitement. So then I like stop for a second. I'm like, okay, am I fearful or am I excited? And if I'm fearful, like I'm tied to a rope, I'm doing like, okay, is it legit that I'm fearful? Like, is this like a sign that I need to turn around because it's not safe to continue? Or is this just my mind thinking that eating donuts on a sofa is like a better way to spend my life, right? And so more often than not, it's my brain trying to keep me in a zone that it like knows and knows and knows and knows. But we all know that true growth or excitement or fun happens outside of that comfort zone. And so you get used to it doing it enough where you're like, oh, this is the feeling that I'm gonna have, but once I get past this feeling, all the good comes. And so I think it's just constantly saying, okay, am I pushing against my boundaries to expand them? Because if I'm not, they're gonna start coming in on me and making my world smaller. I mean, look what happened after COVID. You have a whole bunch of people that all of a sudden became socially awkward. It's because they weren't in those social settings for a while. So it took like baby steps again to get out there and get comfortable and interact with each other and trust each other and 
build relationships again and just be normal social human beings. So it happens to all of us in all environments. And if you're ever feeling like you got dunked in the deep end, then stop and say, okay, is there a way to break this up into smaller pieces? Because maybe going 50 feet higher on that rope is too scary, but I can take one more handhold and just doing all things like that in areas of your life. I agree. Cause that's the thing, isn't it? It's when you're looking at a big dream or a big goal or a big vision and you know what you want at the end. But I think what, mm-hmm. a, lot of, what a lot of people don't do is they don't break it up. They don't kind of say, okay, well today I'm going to do this small step and then I'm going to do this small step because you know, in the long run, you know, climbing a mountain, you don't just get to the summit. You have right. to take every step. And I think people what completely underestimate that those small steps are actually gigantic in the grand scheme of things. When you really look back, every tiny step you took got you to that summit. And I think that's what's something that I think more people, you know, are starting to understand. And I think they're really starting to realize. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. Like Rome wasn't built in a day. That was my grandpa's favorite line. Remember, honey, Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm like, okay, grandpa. <laughs> and like, you kind of like blew it off when you were younger. And now when you're older, you're like, yes, right. Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it, it goes with everything in life. You know, it, it goes with climbing, mountaineering, sports, but it goes with having a business. It, it goes with absolutely anything. And I think it's interesting as well and important that those small steps you have to keep taking, even when you're faced with obstacles and setbacks, because they come up all the time. <laughs> you can't get you can't get rid of them. They come up and they show up. And to be honest with you, it's kind of interesting. So when you climb a mountain, just because it's such a good metaphor for life, and you get to the top, you're at the top for maybe five or ten minutes. Like, you know, I think about back to Everest where we train for a year, you get to base camp, you're there for a couple weeks, you do a few rotations on the mountain, you get to the top of the mountain. We are on the summit of Everest for 15 minutes. If I did that climb for the summit, I just missed out all the joy and fun and things that you get the entire year up to that point. And to be honest with you, when I think back to my stories on Everest, It's the stories where we overcame things or like these crazy events happened and we figured out how to navigate it or work around it or make it go in our favor instead of against us. All the smooth sailing pieces, you can hardly recall them a couple of years later. And so whenever I have like something hard or whatever, I'm like, well, this is just making the plot thicker. This is just making the story better because those are the things that you remember. And you're sitting there thinking, if this problem happened, my job is to get creative and solve it and go from there. I agree. It's every, I mean, you're doing it all for the plot really, aren't you? And it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of putting it because I've said it as well. It's you go, yes, for the summit, for the, you know, for the finish line, for the checkered flag, but it's the journey that you need to enjoy. And I think, again, it's like with the sense of waiting to be happy or waiting to do things. If you're not enjoying the journey and you're not living in the moment throughout the journey, when you get to that dream at the end, of course it's gonna be amazing, but you also wanna look back and realize that the journey was actually epic because it's the journey that gets you to where you are. And with regards to that, and you were just saying about then being on Everest and obstacles and setbacks, what's, you know, what's one that you can share today then? Yeah. So the Lhotse face 
right? So the Lhotse face is this huge vertical section of Everest that feels like you're on a Stairmaster, okay? It's just, uh, there's no, I think it's 4,000 feet. You don't quite climb up the full 4,000 feet, maybe 3,000 feet of it, but there's no break in the scenery. Uh, you're exposed entirely to the sun, to the wind, to the elements, to everything. So it can be freezing cold one minute because there's a cloud in the sky. And then when that cloud moves, it's t-shirt weather because the sun is pinging off all these different surfaces and it just radiates the heat off the snow. And so it's very frustrating because you can't lock into a rhythm and just go. There's always things that are pulling your attention or making a, it's just, yeah, right? It's that, it's all that. And so when you're climbing, um, we, like they had to reset some ropes because some of the ropes got buried under the ice. And so then we got stuck in this section for a while. It's the wind change. So all of a sudden we're in this crazy windstorm where you feel like you're having microdermabrasion. Um, and then the next like two hours later, we're in the, trying to strip off your jacket as much as you can. And I just like, we decided that, okay, we're getting to the top of this section. Like no matter what, we're getting to the top of the section. So how can we have fun? So we started singing songs, like songs when you were a kid and being like a total like weirdo and telling jokes to each other. And just that's where we bonded as a team, to be honest with you. I mean, we'd worked together for a while, but it was in that struggle of, all right, we're all in this together. We can continue like we're doing and be miserable or let's pivot and try to make this more fun. And I feel that lesson has carried with me in everything since. All of a sudden, I realize, I become aware that I'm grumpy or miserable or not having fun or this is way more, took longer than I thought it was going to take, cost more money than I thought it was going to cost. Like all the things that happen to all of us all the time. And I can continue down that path or I can stop and say, okay, what's in my control to make this maybe tolerable, perhaps even enjoyable, maybe something fun to remember and go from there. And what I love the most is that you were saying how you took it into your, you take it into your everyday life and why you were telling that story. I thought the exact same thing. I thought that this is actually, this is everyday life. When you were saying that, you know, you, that all the elements, it was hot, it was cold, it was, and it, it just made me think about, but that's, that's the journey of life. You know, things happen every single day. It, you, you have a plan, but it, it doesn't just go the way you think, and so many different things come in every single day, whether it's a distraction, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's, I don't know, something amazing, but things keep coming in, no matter what. And again, it's, it's what I loved is when you said about it, having fun, having fun with the journey, having fun with what's going on. And, and something I learned recently was um, from somebody I spoke to actually here, and it was about taking a challenge and making it into an opportunity. And it's almost like that. You had the challenge of what you were doing, but you kind of turned it into an opportunity as well of having fun. And now when you look back, you think about how much fun you had and the songs you sang. And it's it's the way of it's the way of flipping it and it's the way of 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 changing the perspective of what's going on. I, I'll tell you like a little hack that I did even here. So I live on this little neighborhood that spills out onto a road that has a light that runs the traffic. And because we're the side street, we're always red. 
or it feels like we're always red. <laughs> and the other street is the through street, so that has the longer green light than what we do on the side street. And for some reason, like every day I'd get to the store, I'm like, oh, I hit the red light. I'm always going to hit the red light. Like, but I would get like angry about hitting the red light. And then finally one day I realized like the light's not mad that it's red. I'm mad that the light's red. Like I'm the only one who's angry here. Like why am I getting angry? So I never have time, because I have seven children, to do a gratitude journal. I wish I did. It's just not in my cards. So I decided, you know what? This red light is going to be my gratitude light. So every single time that I hit this light red, I'm going to start going through my gratitude list, look out the window, think of all the things I'm grateful for, blah, 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 blah. It now has come where I swear to God, I hit the light green more ever than I ever had in my life. And I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have hit it red. I kind of needed to pause and like just reconnect all the things I'm grateful for, but it's green today, so I'm going to continue. And it's just, those are the things that happen to us in life all the time. And it's our responsibility to recognize what it is, and then to like change the narrative and turn it into something that supports us instead of hinders us. Yeah, and it is, it's changing the narrative. And it's, it's, it's like when you hear people that are angry when they're stuck in traffic, or it's, it's this, like you were saying, and it's, there's so many different things that you can do and change the narrative and just change things in your mind when you're faced with that. And I think it's interesting, maybe, you know, anybody that's listening next time they're on the train and it's taking ages or they're stuck in traffic. It's, think about things that you're grateful for or, or, or that's the time when you can really stop and just think, okay, I've got, whether it's 30 seconds, that's 30 seconds to yourself to, to just stop and rewire or restart. Uh, and it's really interesting that. And I wanted to ask you as well then, what other lessons from your mountaineering and what you've been doing do you take into your everyday life? Oh, there's countless, right? Like, <laughs> and there's been seven experiences, um, some of them twice, because we had things that got in our way of summiting the first time safely, so we had to go back. Um, I just finished the quest, right? So Ju June 1st, 2023 is the official day that I got the world record for being the first female to climb these mountains. Now I have to work with Guinness World Records to get it all certified, which is a process in and of itself that I was unaware of how sticky and crazy that can be. But this last mountain, it was, it was interesting. We, got, we had failed this one before, and we had a lot of problems happen on the climb. I was probably in the worst storm I've ever been in on a mountain. Um, my friend that came with us got frostbite and had to be airlifted off the mountain um, the other two teams that were on the mountain both didn't summit, so no one had been to the summit yet. We had never climbed it before, so we weren't sure of all the obstacles ahead, but just knew they would be there. Um, and then it's the end of a, a end of a huge pursuit that's taken me two and a half years to put it all together, right? So I'm standing up on the mountain, take my last step because there's nowhere further to step any point higher, and I just stop probably do the biggest inhale you can when there's no oxygen in the air. And it was all, when I took that inhale, it was almost like everything stopped, right? There's no time, there's no distance, there's no separation. You become one with the mountain, with the air, with the sky, with the whole experience. You just take a few inhales and exhales in that feeling of awe, of wonder, of bliss, of all of it. And you kind of want to stay there forever. 
but you can't like you can't like the world changes things move everything goes and so all of a sudden you start feeling yourself coming to form again you're like okay here i am here's the mountain it's freezing it's windy like you know all that comes back to you and when it comes back to you you're like okay here's soul i'm gonna throw you out into the universe again and i can't wait to see how i find you and connect to you next and you just come down from the mountain as you start going back towards base camp and you're just grateful. Like you're grateful that you got to have the experience because of all the things that you overcame or because of all the lessons that you learned or because of all the experiences. And so I think one of the things when I get to the top of the mountain and I connect to that feeling, even if it's just for a couple breaths, like I know that feeling exists. And for me, that feeling exists on the top of mountains right now. I'm sure it will exist in other ways. For other people, I'm sure it's racing down a ski hill or getting a C-suite job or having a baby. You know, it's like having a baby, right? Like you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I, this experience can happen for a human. This is absolutely amazing. I'm so humbled I have the opportunity to have it. And so whenever times get hard or whatever, I'm always remembering like, hey, this is part of having the experience of awe. And I just have to take it in. I absolutely love that story. And the way you described it, I, I, I felt like I was there with you on the mountain. It was, it was beautiful actually to listen to. So thank you. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. It's a really interesting point you made about having those moments and about discovering those moments and those feelings. And I think for some people, they aren't even at the top of the mountain or down a ski slope. I think that depending on people's lives and people's circumstances, people can have them anywhere. You can you can have it walking down the street and you can just have, if, if you've got, you know, music through your headphones or, you know, you're walking your dog or, or there, there can just suddenly be a moment where you pause and you find yourself smiling in the middle of nowhere and you just think, you know what, life, life is life is pretty good. Oh, my car wreck. I would say for two months straight, I lived in that space. Like, I'm so jealous that I couldn't hold on to it forever, but somehow you just, it's not meant to be held on to forever, I don't think. I think it's things that we get to experience and then we let go and then we experience again. But I remember like walking down the sidewalk and you'd look at, you notice everything, right? You notice like this little teeny tiny plant that's throwing through the crack of the asphalt and you're like, go plant, go. Like, it's like, why did you pick this spot? But like, I'm so proud of you for like continuing to grow <laughs> you cute little thing or whatever. Like, it's like, like you give everything like little voices and stories in your head. And I remember I got a call from the principal's office, um, probably about five weeks after the accident happened or somewhere in there. And the principal's like, Hey, your son was, you know, not behaving in class, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, I'll help it. Like, no worries. Like, you sound a little happy for this phone call said, no, you don't understand. Like, I almost wasn't here to receive this phone call. So whether this phone call is bad or good, right now I'm just grateful for every moment that I'm receiving because it all seems like bonus time right now. And yes, I'll talk to my son. I'm sorry he wasn't, like, behaving. But gosh, I'm grateful for this moment that I'm here to experience it. And I think you're right when you said um, we're not meant to live in that feeling. We're not because... I think I've learned a lot as well. And we have to go through these said darker times or the more mundane times sometimes, because when we do have that experience, however fleeting it is in that moment, we know they're there. And if we've had it once, two, three, four, five, we can keep having it. And I think those times when things are 
stagnant or more mundane or, you know, they're not as bright per se. When we then have that, that light suddenly, we just feel even more grateful and it feels even more amazing, no matter how big or small that moment is. If you had any advice for somebody that's, that's, that's scared to channel their fear, they're scared to, they're scared to climb that mountain. They're scared to take that very first step. What would you say to them? I would try to do the opposite. I'd be scared not to do it. What would happen if you would, if you didn't do it? Um, I really feel like we have this huge planet. We have like 8 billion people. We have all these different things to experience and explore and see and do and try. Like, just try. Like, are you allowed to just allow yourself space to be afraid and do it anyways? Like, is, is that possible for both of those truths to exist at the same time? And the more that you can master that, the more colorful your life gets to become. I love it. So is there anything else that you want to talk about today? If people want to follow along, um, I am writing a book about the experience and how some of those lessons apply to life and business. So feel free to check out my website, jendrummond.com, and you'll follow that journey as well as be able to read all the stories from all the different mountains. We kept summit notes up there and kind of retell each story and have some video. So just quickly, actually, which was your favorite mountain? You know what? I think I liked Mount Tyree in, in, in Antarctica. I was the second female to summit, first one that was not a guide. And it's just such a pristine, beautiful unique space that it was it's just fun to have been able to experience it well it's been a pleasure to talk to you and congratulations on the world record that's absolutely amazing <laughs> thank you jen your story reminds us to strive for the top of the mountain but make sure to enjoy every moment of the view and the journey along the way the future you is already living the dreams you currently have so this week think about those dreams and is your everyday narrative aligned with them or can it be rewritten so thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, remember that you too have the power to get back up. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Drummond, the first female world record holder to climb the second highest summits of each of the seven continents. After a life-changing car accident led her to reevaluate her priorities, Jen embarked on a transformative journey and understood that she can write her own narrative whilst pushing the boundaries of what is possible. Translating the wisdom gained on the peaks into her everyday life, she has harnessed the lessons learned in the mountains to navigate challenges, find purpose and inspire others. Her relentless pursuit of the world record showcases her unwavering spirit and belief in herself. So explore how Jen rose above her circumstances and conquered the mountains.